Ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the anthem of Top Ten Thursdays. You gotta take this higher. You gotta kick this higher. Welcome to this most prestigious episode of Top Ten Thursdays, uh, where we pay tribute to the greatest films of the last year. I'm your host, Sean Lemmy. John Otney. Colin Westman. Matt Carsons. Are also here joining me. Uh, We have to do this a little more formal than our usual podcast, because for some reason... Movies are such a bigger deal than TV shows or music or video games, which we didn't even do a podcast for, but they're on the site. Got to treat them with respect. I like 2012. All right. The movie? No, I didn't. I didn't like that. I saw some of it on the 4th of July two years ago. (laughs) Kind of bummed me out. Best part is when Oliver Platt dies. Like he's near this big boat, and then he just falls like a thousand feet. <laughs> <laughs> Exaggerating a little bit. I like to think it's a thousand. Oh. That's that's a long way. Uh, Twenty twelve. It felt fine. It felt like as good as last year. I don't know that last year there's any movies that I was like, oh my god. Uh, it was just a bunch that I. Um, yeah, yeah, this is good. Not a, not a lot, a bunch of life changing movies for me that year, and that's how I kind of felt this year. But this, I saw a lot this year. Now that I've I've got a routine, you know, I've mastered Netflix and Redbox and the internet. There's so many ways to see movies now, you know, which is tough when you got to go out of your way to see those independent ones. Yeah, I wish there were more legal ways to see <laughs> movies. Uh, you know, it's it's a real bummer that a movie like like this is not a film was something I really wanted to see, but it wasn't anywhere ever. That's my number one movie that I really wanted to see, but couldn't acquire or find in any possible way. Such a shame. Where is it? Well, uh. <laughs> You guys are going to be a little displeased to know that I actually downloaded a, a copy of it, and I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Hit me up with the link. Well, it was a torrent, ah. and I know you're not about that. And torrents are a no-go. Yeah, no, no deal, campuses. man. Okay. Yeah, no like 50 years in jail. 51. I mean, I could have given you the file, but... Uh, we're so far away from each other right now. Put it on. Is it is it too big for like Dropbox? We'll talk about this later. We yeah. <laughs> There's movies we liked. Let's get. Let's just start. Let's get down to it. Okay. Uh, our first nominee is Argo, uh, directed by Ben Affleck, starring 
Ben Affleck, John Goodman. Alan Arkin. Sure. Oscar nominated, if you can believe it. Really? He's pretty funny. Pretty yeah. comedic role. But Argo is the story of the Iranian hostage crisis. And, well, you can go look up the plot if you're interested. But basically, you know, it's like Iran stuff. That's one big plus for Argo for me is that I didn't know anything about this. I was completely ignorant of that part of history. So on one hand, it's a history lesson, and then it's this razor-sharp thriller. So it's a razor-sharp history lesson. And there's, like, uh, you know, about, about making movies type stuff in there. That's just the icing on the cake. It combines so many things I like. Yeah. Yeah. You have a problem with Argo, Sean? I don't have a problem with Argo. I'm just not that passionate about it. Uh, Why? I don't know. It's not a movie that I really even like thought about after seeing. I enjoyed it the whole way through. You know, anything that gives me a chance to watch John Goodman is a good movie in my book. Uh, even, even the Flintstones? Uh, dude, like I, like I told you, I watched some of that on HBO this summer. And he's the only one who's like even acting in that movie. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He's put on a show. Well, I, I love the insight into not only this, uh, this secret government um, operation, because it was classified until like 1998, and then also some insight into Hollywood and everything. Because John Goodman, for one, played the uh, actual guy who did the makeups to Planet of the Apes. And you kind of learn a little bit about uh, producers and all the tricks they pull and everything. Like, I, I found that really interesting. I, it's like a, an interesting little time capsule of that period. And then, then just the last half is just, yeah, it's just on your uh, edge of your seat thrill ride. It's, it's just fun. I like that. It really reminded me of a movie. I, I keep saying it reminds me of Midnight Express. Or it's a movie where you put people in a foreign land and foreign people are scary. <laughs> and they got to escape from foreign people. Which I feel like was controversial for a lot of people saying how the, they villainized just like all foreigners in this movie. They're all really Except scary. for Canadians. Except for Canadians. But then Canadians, like they didn't. Supposedly, I think they had even more to do with this, you know, the success of the mission, yet it's more about the Americans in this Ben Affleck. America, freedom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, how accurate it is. I Probably can't, not. I can't imagine it, it goes down like the, the way the end of this movie goes down. I mean, it, it did feel like a very Hollywoodized version of however this played out. Like, I think as we something we talked about after coming out of the movie being Sean and Kevin was that they probably weren't like driving a car on the landing strip at the airport going after the airplane. That probably didn't happen. Yeah, I think Kevin were, said that Jeep <laughs> loaded down with soldiers would have to be going like hundred miles an hour. <laughs> what about when they're at the airport and they have to make that important call to the studio, but Alan Arkin and John Goodman can't get to the phone because there's a movie set and there's, you know, they got to get the phone in time. And I'm that, sure that's exactly how that, that happened. And that didn't even really make sense because the last time <laughs> anyone talked to John Goodman and Alan Arkin, they said the operation is off. So 
like they had no reason to be desperate to get back to the phone except you know maybe they had some weird sixth sense about it mm-hmm. I'll have to take your word on that one I don't recall no, that's the way I remember it uh, but no I mean, I've liked all the Ben Affleck movies I've seen so far he's only done three they're just he's, his movies are so well paced which is what I really enjoy about him as a filmmaker. Quick to the point, they're punchy, they're exciting. You're right, John. They are very exciting. Like the next movie on our list, The Avengers. Uh, I believe my most anticipated movie of the year. And uh, am I alone in this pick? No. No, you'll be surprised to know that it's probably going to show on my top ten. That's cool. I'm glad. Yeah, because you know, I, I, I'm not really about the whole superhero craze that that came about a few years ago. But this movie, I don't know. It actually made seeing all those Marvel movies actually seem worthwhile because I, I really enjoyed this one. Because it wasn't super dark. It was fun. It had you know lots of snappy dialogue. I liked. For some reason, I liked seeing these characters in a lesser role in a movie. Like, just having these kind of small arcs that play out over the movie worked for me rather than having a whole film dedicated to their characters. Which might come from it's, Joss Whedon being a TV writer. I don't know. Or it could just be him being a genius. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been interesting for me because I am familiar with most of these characters, but uh, I don't think I, I really knew them that well, besides maybe Captain America and Iron Man, uh, before the individual movies started coming out. I certainly didn't know that much about Thor or, or, or really Hulk, to be honest, besides you know the basic conceit behind them. Uh, and I think this is the perfect way to do a movie like this if you can actually pull it off which I guess that's only a problem for one other company, uh, Warner Brothers, with, with their DC stuff. Uh, but I feel like if you make a superhero team-up movie, you can't also afford to do, like, origin stories in it. That'd be way too much. I mean, it feels like it's too much in a, you know, in a regular superhero movie when they do an origin story and a villain origin story in the same movie. Uh, and I'm just... I'm just so happy it all turned out so well. Uh, uh, when I saw The Avengers, I assumed Dark Knight Rises would still be my favorite superhero movie of the year. But I think I got to go with The Avengers, despite the fact the ending of the movie is eerily similar to Transformers 3. <laughs> <laughs> now, I actually uh, kind of wanted bigger character arcs. I feel like the characters, in my mind, took too much of a backseat to the plot. I feel like the first hour of this movie is so much plot, and it's a plot that I'm not particularly... I don't really have much invested in. I don't even remember what it was, some sort of powerful item. It kind of takes, yeah, it takes after uh, Thor, right? That just took up way too much time for me. Really, the only Avenger I liked in this movie was Iron Man. I feel like Captain America was sort of bland. I was hoping he'd kind of rise. He didn't really feel like a leader. Like, I really want him to rise to the occasion. And Oh, he's a leader because he was the leader of the Avengers. I mean, he's fine. They're all fine. I just, I don't know. I wanted more character stuff. I, I feel like they're too busy 
advancing the plot. Of course, obviously that's important in filming. You want to advance the plot as much as you can, but at the same time, I wanted a, more breathing room, more, a little more. I love the action. I think it looks good. But overall, I was just like, this is fine. I wasn't blown away. Well, in response to your criticism, I would say uh, this movie's not about individual character arcs as much as it is uh, uh, the the whole team's character arc. And so it's all about all the character development is just actually the characters, uh, you know, learning to work with each other. And, and so there's like little mini arcs to come with that, like uh, Iron Man learning how to be selfless and Hulk learning to embrace his powers and Captain America learning how to fit in and 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 be a leader. I, I feel like he he is leading the whole thing in the end. I mean that's that's what makes that that cool shot, you know, the the long tracking shot during the final battle where you see everyone fighting and you see it, you know, they're all fit into these these little roles, you know, Hawkeye's up high spotting stuff and shooting arrows and Captain America's bossing everyone around and Black Widow's doing flips and shit because apparently she has superhero syndrome too. Like, she took a serum. Did you guys know that? What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They just didn't seem that interesting as a team to me. The, the reason I say Iron Man is the only one that really stuck out for me is because he's the funny one. And then Captain America and Thor are very similar in how they act and react to situations. They're just both, like, heroic. And the, I feel like there's too many characters. I, you didn't need Hawkeye or what's-her-face. Black, Black Widow. Widow. They're, that's two characters too many. I didn't feel like they were that. They added that much. Yeah, I think they could have handled Hawkeye better. Uh, I think it's disappointing that he's the one we saw the absolute least of going into this movie. I mean, he was barely in Thor. And then to like make him a villain and make his character a little bit false to who he is in the comics. And then he's just... You know, he gets hit in the head and that's it. That's his whole story. That's kind of disappointing. Um, but I don't know. I really enjoyed watching the Hulk. I, I can't believe you weren't. Uh, I mean, I, I thought everyone was all about the Hulk. I thought this is practically Hulk 2 to a lot of people. Like the Hulk <laughs> movie we're all waiting for. He was okay. I don't know. He didn't stand out to me. All right. I, I like the Edward Norton Hulk. I like this Hulk way better. I like me some Mark Ruffalo, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he nice. he, he nice. had the angst. I don't know. I thought he was, he was pretty uh, pretty conflicted about the whole thing, and I, I like that. I wasn't by his anger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like how some actors have to, they have to think of something sad to cry. I wonder what Mark Ruffalo has to think about to be angry. <laughs> I don't know. So maybe another movie he was in that was stealing his stash. <laughs> oh, he's, no, he's good. He's good. He, he just—I just said he was—he wasn't my favorite Hulk. Yeah, but no, I, I, I like—I like, I like the Avengers. It, it seems like it's got a pretty good shot of making the list. Yeah, I mean, probably not a high spot because it is, in the end, a comic book, you know, action movie. But I really liked it. I'm just amazed it turned out as well as it did. It should not have. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I—I I really enjoyed it when I saw it, but. Maybe it's just because it's been so long. I don't know. I just, I just noticed there's a typo on our list. Next movie is Breasts of the Sunken <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> this is yeah. the you've, you've nominated a, a porno <laughs> released this year. It's a parody of Beasts of the Southern Wild. It's a coming of age story. Uh, yes, coming of age. I get it. My bad. Uh, this here's a movie uh, that I had very little interest in seeing. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I heard you say my bad. I didn't. Is there a response to that? No, I was just I was no, talking good. about the Avengers, but then Sean just moved on. I'm not sure if he heard. Sorry, me. I don't think I heard that. Okay. My bad. You're good, bro. All right, bro. Did you want to say it or no? It's over. We're too we're too deep. Well, you'll hear it on the podcast. You'll just hear Sean just <laughs> move on. I had to tell everyone about breasts of the Southern Wild. Uh, Go on. We saw it at uh, the Seattle International Film Festival, and we saw it. At least I saw it. Kind of just out of obligation. I feel like to who to me. Well, to you and to myself, just because we hadn't gone to anything at SIF yet, and I feel like I almost feel like I should, but I never really want to, like go all the way into Seattle and see, you know, some rent. I feel like Leaves of Grass kind of burned me because it should have been so great. It was pretty forgettable, and it like Except barely for- even came out. Yeah. I see the blockbusters whenever I go there when they're going out of business. That's we got to thing. see Hulk in person. Yeah, right when they announced he would not be in the Avengers, too. But I was too scared to ask him that question. So instead, we let that other guy go up there and say, why are you so awesome? Best question. Or should I say breast question? <laughs> uh, but Man, Beast of Southern Wild... On the other hand, was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing this. Probably more than I would have enjoyed seeing our other choice, Frank and the Robot. All the very never saw that movie. And why did you like it? Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of emotion in this movie. It's it's pretty raw. Uh, maybe that comes from the fact that these are all, I think, first-time actors. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Uh, and so they're just they're just bringing it. They're just leaving it all out there because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the spectacle of this yeah. movie. It's it's set in this play. What was it called? The bathtub. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you're you're not really sure if this is supposed to be like Louisiana or if this is like some fantasy world, but it's this this flooded town looks. It almost had a fantasy feeling to it. I mean, there obviously there are beasts in this movie, and they're freaking huge, and that's really cool. But even the world that they live in, it's like, is this the future or what? It's it's just amazing what they could create on a small budget like that, and kind of immerse you in this world that's beautiful but also kind of dark and and the performances yeah those are great though i do understand when some of the critics say that there's not enough 
like breathing room in this movie. Like it feels too intense at some points with the uh, the father played by uh, what's his name Dwight Henry. He screams so many of his lines, and I was kind of uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, I think sometimes you're supposed to be uncomfortable, but more than I wanted to be. Like this movie is it's it it's like kind of raw and in your face, and I think and uh, sometimes that may outweigh like the whimsy. There is some whimsy. It's not necessarily all about whimsy just because there's, you know, beasts in it. But uh, I, I think sometimes I, I, was, I was hoping it'd just be a little more not on edge. But overall, <laughs> I liked it. Uh, I liked how on edge I was. I, and I liked that, you know, it, it to me it was not really clear ever if the movie was taking place in reality or not. I mean... For a while, I was pretty sure it was reality, and then there's part of the ending where you're like, uh, well, this can't be happening. Why not? We don't know where this is. <laughs> Within the context of the film, I could believe everything. You believe? I never, I never questioned whether it was reality. I mean, uh, maybe there's something I'm missing, but uh, no, I didn't, I didn't get that feeling myself. Yeah, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, just a hell of a movie. It's 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 so rare that I find myself really feeling immersed in you know what's essentially another world like this. I I mean I can't even think of anything that that does it so well. Yeah, I mean I think it's the thing that go to school. the reason that works I think so well is because it is still very much based in reality in a way because you're always thinking about Katrina throughout this whole movie because the whole plot revolves around a big f- flood. And so it's, there's, there's this realism that, that seeps through all the, all the whimsy, I think, that keeps it grounded. And that's, I guess, why it worked for me. Yeah, I really I, love Yeah, this I agree, because it is kind of like a fantasy, but it's got those parallels to the real world. So it can be its own thing, but also say something about modern society. Very, it's very layered in that way. That's pretty cool. Not enough breasts, though. <laughs> it's a movie with just children and old ladies, so I'm fine with the amount of breasts. Hey, Chico right. and Rita has, has a fair share of boobs. She does. If you like circles with other circles colored in with them, be my guess, I guess. Yeah, this is an animated film from Spain. Um, I think it was nominated for the best animated film last year, the Oscars, but it didn't make its way into American theaters till this year. It's it's a movie that kind of takes place in and around sort of the, the Cuban jazz scene of the late 40s and early 50s and then kind of crosses over to New York in that era and that whole scene as well as Paris and you know I, I liked it as a period piece in that way just because it was able to recreate all these these bustling cities and the whole rich deep things that were going on with music at that time and also I don't know I'm just a fan of the music from that era and it also in a lot of ways kind of reminded me of the MGM musicals from from the 50s as well, which I'm also a huge fan of. So 
I don't know. Maybe this isn't a great film, but it's one that kind of plays to my tastes. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of enjoyed every minute of it. I didn't Sean, you saw Why'd you watch Treme? Because it's you too slow. Trebe. There's not enough that happens. And it's a good show, I'll admit. I just, I don't know. Kind of wears on me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I yeah, sorry. I know. <laughs> what did you think? It's okay. Uh, Why was it okay? I would say this was slow for my taste. Not Really? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I, I just couldn't get that into it for some reason. I guess maybe because it's animated. I don't know. Uh, but I was just... I never really cared about Chico and I never really understood what Rita saw in him and they break up and get back together so many times and I'm not even sure why uh, there were times when I was wondering you know why it was even an animated film but I think I think you make a pretty good case that it's cool that they could recreate these I mean they go driving in New York and as far as I know you can't even go driving in New York anymore you just have to take taxis everywhere through these huge traffic jams Ride a bike, premium rush style. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really think there's anything wrong with it. It just seemed fine. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I guess we could just take it out of consideration. I just wanted to mention it because it'll probably be fairly high on my own personal movie list when we get get around to those at the blog you know what it might be is I don't really care for MGM musicals or jazz music <laughs> well you like singing in the rain yeah yeah there's only one singing in the rain that's true there are two dark nights including dark night rises the one that came out this year should it have been a musical I'm going to have to go with yes. No question. <laughs> Sounds pretty good Just to me. Just because I want to see Michael Caine in a musical with Morgan Freeman. I bet Bane has a lovely singing voice. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> in which your punishment was more severe. Yeah, so you watched this pretty recently, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I did. And how was it on, I don't know how many times you've seen it, a second time? This would have been my third time. How was your third time seeing it? <laughs> it was good. I mean, I I like it more and more every time I see it. Um, and you watched all you watched them all together when you yeah, watched it Yeah, within recently. the span of about three days. See, that's the thing. I wanted to watch it again, but I'm like, I got to watch the other two, and I just couldn't. I, couldn't I, I find that it's a more, I mean, I've never watched it, not in close proximity to the other ones, but I don't know. I that's, find that it's a really satisfying experience when you do that. It does uh, shape up, I think, to be a pretty good trilogy. Yeah. 
And especially, like, I find myself thinking, oh, like, Dark Knight is just, like, way too long. But it works so well with Dark Knight Rises, especially. But, uh, I mean, Dark Knight Rises, I, I'm just, like, I'm all about when they, when Batman finally comes back. I mean, from retirement, not at the end of the movie, but, well, at the end of the movie, too. Basically, like, Batman's, like, so awesome. Anytime you see him, is like, a real treat. And uh, I feel like people complain that he's not in the movie enough. But in it, the more I watch it, the more it doesn't bother me because it's just such a good movie anyways. Well, I like that because I feel like there wasn't that much Bruce Wayne in the second movie. Mm-hmm. It was mostly Batman. I feel like Bruce Wayne, his, his alter ego Bruce Wayne had no like character development. He was just kind of there yeah. just watching everything. And this one, it's all him. Yeah. And his experiences and everything. And I like that. I don't know why. These movies just seem so in, more in, intense than like other action superhero <laughs> movies. Maybe they it's because they're so serious. <laughs> yeah, I serious they are. yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the things I, I feel like almost why I didn't like it, Avengers as much when I think about it. Because like, I'm so used to like Batman and how serious it is. <laughs> And but I, not I that feel I'm like Batman is the only mainstream superhero yeah. that should be. And uh, yeah, like I'm like not saying girl. that I'm not saying that Avengers should be serious because it shouldn't. And I like how it's it's funny and stuff, but I just don't like it as much. Like I'm all like I love Batman now. Like I'm such a Batman fan now. And and uh, Dark Knight. I do have one question though. You know when he like comes and he's like in in the freeway and they're chasing Bane like the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. What's that gun he pulls out? It like he pulls out this sweet looking shotgun thing and then it like doesn't do anything. Like, Wasn't that the like turn out the lights gun? Was it? Is that what it was? Oh, I felt like that's just something he he like <laughs> hits on his belt or something. But he pulls out this gun and he like shoots it, and then you see like this motorcycle like kind of like steer in the wrong direction and sparks come out a little bit and it's just like so lame mm. like, God. I don't know, yeah i don't even remember that and he's like i know exactly should have been like does sweet. he also have a turn off the dark gun that, that turns the lights on he's never like about turning music. or just injures <laughs> dancers uh, batman is not about turning on the lights let's not talk about spider-man so shameful I don't know there's some reason the plot holes in this movie bother me even though I feel like that's been a complaint for this franchise and really all Chris Nolan movies I just I couldn't get over the doctor saying your body's broken so I'll I'll put on a leg brace and I'm fine and then Bane will break my back his leg wasn't broken his whole body was broken. Remember, he went to the doctor. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's just, it's not a loophole. It, it wasn't, his body's not broken. It's just, I, I like to think of it as like, yeah, he doesn't have any cartilages in his knees. But, I mean, he's Bruce Wayne, so he's like hella tough. And it doesn't matter how much he's like hurting. You know, obviously he's hurting. His leg's not broken. He just puts that thing on. It's a brace. And it's like electronic, like it helps him, you know, walk. It's not, it's not that big a stretch. Okay, but then Bane breaks his back mm-hmm. and puts him in prison, and uh, they fix that by lifting him up with ropes and punching him in the back. Like, and if, no. that, if that fixes his back, 
why isn't he totally re-injured when he like misses the first jump and falls and has that huge rope snap? I mean, wouldn't that break some ribs and shit? Yeah, I. But also, you got to think about like how long he's in. He's in there for for like months, like six months. I doubt he like just was like, okay, I'll go up and try it again. You know, like he's in there for a long time. So I feel like there's a lot of time that goes by for him to heal at least enough to go up the thing again. I guess. I mean, it took me the better part of a year to recover from a couple herniated discs. Yeah, but he's Batman, Sean. That's true. <laughs> no offense, but you're not Batman. The me is how did he get back to Gotham? Yeah, that is... The military couldn't even get in. And yeah. he appears on the lake. That is definitely the uh, the biggest one for me. But he didn't have the jet anymore, did he? No, it was it was parked up on the building, still. No one ever found it. Somehow, <laughs> it was covered by a tarp. Sean, it's not like you just go uh, looking on top of every building. <laughs> Maybe I'll find a jet up here. Yeah, but you would think the police would have followed him when that time he flew off. I don't know. I'm being mean to this movie now. I liked it. I I think it's it's really cool. Uh, as the third part of a trilogy. I mean, no trilogy these days has a satisfying ending anymore. It's always got to be open for another sequel. And for it to happen with a a major superhero franchise, maybe the biggest superhero franchise, is is really cool. Hell, respect this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like it too. Just don't, don't do a sequel to it. God, don't. Do you think they will? Everyone's always like, "Well, what's Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing?" I, I mean, it's hard to say about any of that kind of stuff. It's Hollywood, man. They're they're crazy. I don't know. I I feel like they could totally do. I wouldn't mind a sequel, but it, I know that. As long as it's not like I don't want it to be Chris Nolan or Christian Bale or whatever. Like if they got uh, yeah. if they got Joseph Gordon Levitt to do some kind of Nightwing, Batman, whatever they want to do, it, it'd be fine. But we know that it wasn't them, so that like whoever took it in a, in their own direction, we know that's a separate thing. Even though it could be kind of connected, but like it's not like Star Wars or something. Like if it totally sucked, I wouldn't like feel that bad about it. I'm just saying, if you ever make a Justice League movie, they're probably gonna have they're probably gonna go the route of making a, a movie for each character. So they probably make a new Batman to set up the new Batman. It's a thought. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like this is one where it's so close. You could probably just have Batman be in uh, Justice League, and people would get it. Yeah, but I I don't know. I don't know. I completely forgot. Well, it's not that you've completely Why is forgot. It's like a bat. <laughs> It's not that you completely what are his powers? <laughs> It's not that you completely forgot, Sean. It's just that how can you it's like I feel like I if if they're going in a different direction like that and it's not Christian Bale and it's not like the greatest thing I've ever seen. I don't want it to be part of the Justice League, you know? All I'm all I'm saying I'm sorry, you're breaking up for me, so I don't know if you're still talking. Uh, but all I'm saying is if they did another James Bond movie, you wouldn't want them to make Casino Royale again. You'd want them just to keep going. So why is it with Batman you got to go back? It's because it's a superhero team. There's a lot of different characters. People are going to be like, why isn't Christian Bale Batman anymore? Or, you know, people will get confused. They did make another Hulk. 
even though it didn't end up working out. I don't know. I just it seems like something they do. I'm not saying that that's what they should do or whatever. I just enough about Batman, probably. No, never. All right. How about Django? Who got Django. Good music. Kind of different from your typical Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, I mean, it's it's been a while since he did a a one character movie like this. I mean, we've had. Inglorious Bastards and Death Proof and Kill Bill was, I mean, it focused on one character, but it was also more of an ensemble movie, I think. Well, I mean, him and Christoph Waltz. I, I feel like this is very much in the same vein of his last movie. I think that it's pretty similar. But I like that. I love... Um, I mean, Inglorious Bastards style. had lengthy scenes with, with neither Christoph Waltz nor Brad Pitt. nor, nor I mean, there's the bar scene. There's the opening scene. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know those are related scenes. They're totally different. But but here, you know, Jamie Foxx or Christoph Waltz is in every scene. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But no, I love the uh, the look of everything. I love the stylized violence, the dialogue scenes. There's so much tension in a dialogue scene, like. Like that's weird to get that in uh, in a uh, you know in any movie. Just Tarantino can do that. Like you're you're getting really on edge when Leonardo DiCaprio's giving his whole speech and he's got the skull because you're like, what's he gonna say? What's he what's he gonna do? The characters in this are just so memorable. He writes such mm-hmm. great characters. Yeah, he he just isn't very good at Australian accents. Yes, Quentin Tarantino is in this movie playing an Australian guy, and it's it's as bad as it sounds. <laughs> Ugh. I find that a little a little weird how he has to fit in as many cameos or you know just little small parts for actors he knows just all over the place wherever he can. It doesn't like it doesn't hurt the movie or anything. It's just weird. Well, no, I know a lot of people were really confused about the uh, uh, Zoe Bell scene because like cuts to her a couple times. And she's wearing a mask because people are like, she's wearing a mask. Is she important? I read some internet forums about this shit. <laughs> I was confused about all the trackers because some of them were actors I knew, but they didn't do anything. I was like, oh, they're just kind of there. And it was it, – it, it, what is kind of weird about this movie is, is it seems like there's a point where this is the ending and it goes on for like another 45 minutes. I liked that. I like. I liked that. That the rest of the part of the story. I'm talking about. Here's the shootout, and then they're torturing him, and then he's you know he he gets caught up with the Australians. You know, it seems like it, that shootout would have been the ending point, but it keeps going. It's a little long on the long side. Like I feel like by the end of the movie, it's like, well, who's he gonna kill? There's like barely anybody left. Like most of the, the two other major characters, you know, aren't a part of the story now. But no, I was still very much into it. So many great performances. Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel Jackson, absolutely terrifying. More terrifying than even Lake View Terrace for me. I'm going to say that. Yeah, probably. Plus, he's a little creepy. He just looks so old. No, he scared the hell out of me. Uh, I don't know that Jenny Fox did that much for me, though. I don't think... I think the character was just kind of an observer for most of the movie. That's just kind of how he was written. Uh, when I, well, I, I, I guess I would have liked, uh, I don't know, I somebody that said more things. 
I think it was he was he was playing kind of like the traditional action western star, the tough man of of a few words, and as a result, because the Tarantino movie. Uh, that makes him kind of seem like a lesser character just because, I mean, in Tarantino films, everyone's really verbose. And it's kind of weird to have a tough guy uh, who doesn't say too much. And, you know, there's a lot going on in his head that he's not saying. I think that's it. It's just a character type that we're not accustomed to seeing in Tarantino movies. So it stands out when it wouldn't stand out in other movies. It's not, like, bad. It's just, like, the I, the other character's had were more interesting because they were more Tarantino-ish. But I, I totally respect that he was, he was trying to do the man with no name kind of thing. I love all the little homages and tributes to older cinema and spaghetti westerns. I think it all works out, and it's a fun... Well, I mean, it's, parts of it are fun to film. Parts of it are very dark and disturbing. Uh, a wide uh, array of feelings and emotions. It's, uh, it's something. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, and... I don't get how people are, are calling this movie racist. Um, I'm not saying people are wrong for saying that. I'm just not sure I understand where it's coming from because I feel like this movie takes a real, like, slavery is such a bad thing that, you know, anyone who condoned it is, you know, irredeemably bad. I mean, all the all the critics against this, are, yeah, they're saying that they're taking, you know, um, slavery and making it an action film. But I feel like most people that say that haven't, like, seen it. <laughs> they have to see that, wow, there's some really dark stuff in here. And it's not, like, glamorizing it or making it pro-slavery. It's making it almost worse than it is by doing stuff that I don't even know if they actually did. Maybe not. Like, methods well, of torture. Did. Probably. Oh, God. No, it definitely makes it seem really horrible. And then to give, like, a black Western hero, which is something that's, like, I don't, nothing has ever been done, so. Well, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah, but that's a comedy. This is not an action movie. Unless you want to count Wild Wild West as a success. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that wasn't a success, though. Funny, because Will Smith was Tarantino's first choice. <laughs> he had so much experience as yeah. James West. Uh, for more on that, go to your local <laughs> blockbuster, which is probably now a smoking crater. Oh. Oh. Colin, you weren't that crazy on this. The, I this was movie. not. Um, I mean... This is a movie I've thought about a lot just because I feel like I'm one of the few people that didn't love it. Um, I don't know. I guess at a certain point when I was watching this film, the kind of bloody, brutal, sadistic nature of this movie just stopped being fun for me. I don't know why. I guess it's just not the kind of film I go out of my way to see is this kind of pulp sensationalism, which I feel like... I don't know. I feel like when you tear away all the the over the top violence and sort of I don't know trashy nature of this film, there's not as much as I'd I'd like out of a Tarantino film. There's definitely a bunch of good stuff. The characters are all great. I don't I don't feel like he's doing as much with dialogue in this movie as as in his other films. I think the one scene you talk about at the dinner table where where Leonardo DiCaprio is just cut trying to push 
push Christoph Waltz as far as he can go. That scene's good, but I don't know. It kind of came too late in the movie. By that point, I was kind of like, all right, this is enough. And I feel like if you're going to make a sort of, you know, flashy B-movie type of thing, I don't think it has to be two hours and 45 minutes. I feel like this movie could have easily been two hours. I do think it's too long, but at the same time, I enjoy the Tarantino verse so much that I kind of give that a pass. Not for any like good reason, just the fact that I'm a fan of, of just any about anything he does. Yeah, because he's just a unique writer. I, I though I do agree. Yeah, it could have been shorter. I don't even know if it's going to be in my personal top ten, but I I don't know. It really stands out though. I'm still thinking about like that was a really unusual film. <laughs> Yeah, and I think for it's that, not about that. Um, it's worth talking about. I really liked it. It's going to be on my list. Oh yeah, it's not in Glorious Bastards, but it's really good and it's really interesting. I'm not sure it's too long. I think it's more of a pacing thing. I think the movie moves really fast up until they get to Candyland, and then it really slows down. Uh, and that's maybe why it seems long. Because they, they, they go on this whole... I mean, they cover, like, months and months and months. Yeah, I don't know if all that was really necessary, personally. Because, I mean, they're just shooting guys. That's that A lot of that happens when once they get to the plantation anyways. So for me, it didn't add too much. I mean, sure, the, the characters bonded a little bit, but... He, he could have done some snip in there, I think. You know what else is long? How long we've been talking about this movie. Let's move oh, yeah. ahead to uh, Life of Pi, based off the book by uh, some Indian guy, probably. I was not familiar with the book. Were you, guys, were you guys familiar with the book? I, I feel like it was a pretty big hit. I had heard yeah. of it. Yeah, semi-fantasy novel. And I think it worked out really well, the final product. It's this kind of whimsical fantasy adventure, but at the same time, it challenges such big themes of faith in a really unique way. And, so, uh, by the way, Yann Martel, Canadian. Oh. Okay, that's good to know. Because there is Canada stuff in this movie. Make room for Warning, Canada, Canada stuff. <laughs> but no, I think the first, the, probably the most appealing thing firsthand is just the spectacle of all of it. E- even the little things. Actually, this, probably, this isn't a little thing. The tiger. Richard Parker. Because this is about a guy basically stranded at sea and he's on a boat with a tiger. That tiger looked amazing. There's, there's, I couldn't tell when it was uh, like an animatronic or CG or what. It just it moves so naturalistically and it really did feel like a character. And their interactions together were so good. And I really enjoyed those. And then there, there's all sorts of other CG animals that really blend well in this movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'd say the only thing that looked really fake to me was the whale. But that's at a scene where things are going so crazy, you don't really want things to look real. Uh, yeah, that's like some trippy psychedelic shit. Yeah. You, guys, you guys got to see this in 3D. How was the we 3D did. experience? It was good, I guess. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it, it kind of just added another texture to the the overall visual flair of the movie, um, which I like. 
I don't like 3D to be really in my face and reminding me that I'm watching something in 3D. So, yeah, it worked. Since I didn't see it in 3D, there was one portion of the film that did see in my face, and that was the opening credits, There is uh, which was at a zoo. There's all these animals flying towards the screen. I'm like, this isn't, th- this isn't 3D. I don't care. This is, I don't care. Don't do that. Cut this. <laughs> but actually, no, I still like that because all the colors used in this movie it really looked amazing. I almost did, like didn't walk in when I walked up to the theater and the poster said there's some review from Time Mags that said the next Avatar and I'm like I'm gonna see the next Avatar not in 3D or <laughs> some stupid cowboy town like uh, but no the st- I was surprised the story was so good that's what I had the most invested in because I love at the end it kind of they uh, they leave you to this conclusion to question everything you've just seen like did all this really happen or or what and it, it's your choice. It's it, it questions your own faith system. Like, do you believe in everything that's rational or are you willing to make the occasional leap of faith? It translates to the viewer like that. And that, that's that's really fascinating. Yeah, that's what I loved the most about this movie was uh, that it could handle the issue of faith so tastefully. Uh, make it make it appealing to pretty much anyone. Yeah. And well, let's see what else. Well, the performances. If, unless you wanted to add something to that, I was just going to start talking about like I don't know how this movie was filmed. Like, were they, Is it all in a green screen? Are they in like a pool that's in front of a green screen? How do you do that? It's just a careful balance. But yeah, it was it was pretty seamless. I was really impressed. I I don't know how they they pulled it off. Angley's just got so much experience, Hulk experience. <laughs> <laughs> He knows what not to do with CG now. But I have kind of mixed feelings about how that movie looks with the computer graphics. This one looks spectacular. And, you know, I was just going to say about the performances, this, uh, the guy who starred in it, Siraj Sharma, I've, I think this is his first movie. He's not like an actor. I thought he was really great. I, I found it kind of disappointing that no one ever even talked, like, mentioned his name once now that it's award season. Like, I thought he was, he was really great because so much of the movie is carried on his shoulders. I mean, him and a, a computer-generated tiger. Mm-hmm. But that'll never get nominated, at least not in this lifetime. Yeah. Andy Serkis will make sure. <laughs> also really good is Irfan Khan. I, I pray I'm pronouncing that right, who was older Pi because he's telling the story of his life. And it really made me wish that he was in more movies that I wanted to go see instead of just being like, douchebag scientist and amazing spider-man like he's so much better than most of the parts he gets and he was really great too you know it's an, an interesting uh thing that i read is the guy who was interviewing pie adult pie who was played by rafe spall who was the uh the the tough guy from prometheus the kind of punk guy oh yeah really Supposedly, I, unless I read this incorrectly, they filmed most of that character's scenes with Tobey Maguire. But then they're like, God, is this going to be too distracting? Is people, are people just going to be so awestruck by Tobey Maguire being on camera? <laughs> like, that's Tobey Maguire. That's Tobey Maguire. He's such a huge star. He's that in they, 3D. That they had to go for uh, like a lesser known actor so we could just focus on what they were saying instead of who's playing them. But I find that so ridiculous that someone... <laughs> could it like oh I can't that's Tommy McGuire that's all I can think about <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think he would have been probably better than I mean that guy was fine, but I kind of I was kind of disappointed when I heard that oh uh, they you know cut him out of the movie and then just did it with this other guy. I was like, oh, I like Tobey Maguire, <laughs> but very <laughs> very minor complaint because I don't even know if it would have made it better. Well, that's why I hated Spider Man, you know. Because you're like, just so awestruck. I was like, like oh, well, what the awestruck. fuck? Is that is that is that Toby? Even in Spider Man <laughs> Three, I was I still couldn't get over it. Is that Toby Maguire? <laughs> is that the guy from? God, what else could you have known him from back then? So, well, in Spider Man, <laughs> in Spider Man Three, you know, everyone was saying, "Is that guy, the guy from Sea Biscuit?" <laughs> That's yes. why everyone hated Spider-Man 3. Seabiscuit superstar. <laughs> it's gone to his head, the Seabiscuit fame. It's gone to our head. But no, Life of Pi, I mean, there's only so much we can say about it without either spoiling it or the fact that you can't really talk about how cool the visuals are unless you're seeing them. I can go on and on about how cool this one part was, but if you don't, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's not going to sound that cool. So... I do recommend that if you ever get the opportunity and you haven't seen it to go check it out. It's it's great visually. Yeah, it, it's so much more thrilling than you would imagine like a guy and a tiger float on a boat for a long time. Like I mean, yes, cuz the tiger he sound it sounds a little bit interesting, but for me I was really going into this expecting to be bored. <laughs> and I, and I walked out loving it. You loving it. Yeah, I wasn't bored either. But was Lincoln boring? If you ask my parents, yes. Because they both <laughs> fell asleep when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> was most of the theater older people? That was my experience. No, I saw it on a Saturday night. It was like the 9 o'clock showing. I've actually seen four movies on this list. So this is, I, I missed this one. Oh, Boy, well, why don't you tell us what you think about Lincoln? Then? I was all about it. I was like, man, Civil War, man, that's some shit. <laughs> that's one thing to take away from it. Yeah. I was definitely surprised because everyone was worried that it might be in a similar vein to War Horse, just this over glorified depiction of Lincoln being super heroic and. Just nothing that that seemed like it actually happened, but no, it went the totally opposite direction, and it seemed very genuine to the to the time. And uh, Daniel Day Lewis's performance is kind of it is kind of subtle. I mean, he he, he does do like speeches and stuff, but uh, it's not like if Liam Neeson had played him, which <laughs> was at one time you know a possibility. That would have been bizarre. Now that I think about it. I still want to see it. <laughs> Maybe it'll make it as an, like an action movie. <laughs> Precious. How many action Lincoln movies do we need? <laughs> At least one more. They're, they're just going to keep making them until people stop seeing them. So never. <laughs> yeah, no. was... yeah, sorry. My mic got disconnected. <laughs> Continue. I I was really impressed by how restrained Spielberg was in in overindulging in, in in the sentimentality of it all. I mean, this is a Lincoln who 
I mean, they skip completely the, the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, and they stick to politics, to, to Lincoln getting down and dirty and, you know, calling in favors and manipulating people and even at one part doing shit that's maybe not legal and, and maybe is prolonging the war a little bit. Uh, getting down in the muck, doing doing the dirty stuff uh, to get something truly great accomplished. And uh, it's so fun watching uh, like American politics work because <laughs> I, <laughs> I never actually get to see it in real life, but it's so fun, uh, especially like at this time when people are all about hella insulting each other. Uh, you know, watching Tommy Lee Jones just make everyone look like assholes. It's great. Uh, is this what you were talking about when you are saying Tommy Lee Jones is a favorite to win awards? Or is that that other movie with Meryl Streep? No, it's this. <laughs> that old people having sex movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. That's the best description of that movie I've heard yet. <laughs> Hope Springs. I, I, Pump I Springs. Well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like I, Tommy Lee Jones in this. Yeah, I mean, I like the whole cast really. I, I love the fact that it is more of an ensemble movie, just because I don't know. For me, it's like you think of these huge, important historical undertakings, like like the the Thirteenth Amendment, and you you kind of forget that it it was really just the product of you know a few people trying to do the right thing. Which, according to Shaw, this movie should have been called Lincoln. It should have been called Do the Right Thing. <laughs> Since it wasn't really just about Lincoln. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the movie would have been better if it didn't if it ended earlier than it. I, I, I feel like I have to walk around it because I can't spoil it. I feel like they didn't need to go to to Lincoln dying and have the weird like I thought their ending shot was kind of dumb. Yeah, they an- they announced Lincoln's a shot, but they're like at another theater. You're like, oh, I see what they did. Lame. <laughs> I don't know. I liked, I liked how they didn't show him getting shot. But I feel like it didn't need to go that far. I, I feel like it could have ended with on, like, they passed it. He's like, yes, this pump. Yeah, because there is that moment where he's walking out, out the door to go to the theater. And I thought that moment kind of lingered a little bit in a way that I thought, oh, maybe it'll end here. And we won't have to go through all that other bullshit that we all know happened. Should have ended there. No, it yeah. should have gone even further. W- weren't there some guys in the early 1900s who, like, robbed Lincoln's grave? <laughs> you wanted to see that? Well, obviously <laughs> the they're epilogue. planning a sequel. Yeah, they, like, find... They, they like, raid his body and they find some sort of, like... Treasure map? They find, his, they find a treasure map. <laughs> <laughs> I like where so, this is this going. This is the location of Lincoln's gold. Does everyone have gold? <laughs> well, Lincoln did. Obviously. It's a common known fact. Why do you think he wore that hat? <laughs> There's gold bars out there. But yeah, I love the, the ensemble. I think my favorite was James Spader. I love that part where, what was he? I can't remember what he's trying to do, but there's that guy that chased after him with a gun. Remember that? <laughs> he's just trying to convince him, right? 
Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but it's like an old-timey gun, so it takes a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite part. But Daniel Day-Lewis is so good in this. And I was just – just the subtleties of his performance, just like the little like old man noises he makes, everything. The fact that he went for the higher register voice, which supposedly is how Lincoln spoke, and the long rambling stories that Lincoln you know, supposedly told. He just – it was so perfect. Like I learned a lot as yeah I learned a lot as far as like I didn't know Lincoln was funny and you know (laughs) and had all these you know it it almost seems inappropriate at times when he's just like hey let me tell you a joke (laughs) like uh Lincoln we're trying to fight the Civil War here (laughs) for some reason I feel like had Liam Neeson played Lincoln it wouldn't have been like that at all I feel like it would have been really serious and really sort of (laughs) a bit histrionic. But no, David Lewis is super subtle. And like when you see that he can do this kind of introverted performance in comparison to his last big movie, There Will Be Blood, it's like, God, like no one's even operating on the level that he is. He's acting. It's like he's just so good. I mean, you you guys know that he turned down the role and said you should cast Liam Neeson for this. (laughs) (laughs) Really? There you are, Sean. Still, still fighting for Liam Neeson. It wouldn't have been as good. I like the gray. What can I say? I believe in the man. I didn't see Taken Two. I still have hope. Okay. Sally Fields also in this playing crazy, and she does it good. Unlike Amazing Spider-Man, where she sucks. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Who's in Looper? Yeah, which is our next Young movie. Bruce Willis. Young I put Luke. Young Bruce. I can't wait for the Die Hard prequels. God, why isn't he playing Bruce Willis's son in the now the Live a Good Day to Die Hard? Because Sean, it has to suck. <laughs> There's like no other stars in that movie. I don't think they could afford any because they wanted to make the effects. They wanted they, the, probably all the money went into Bruce Willis and the effects because I don't know though I don't know if they look that good because I've been seeing a lot of trailers for that movie lately and there's at least three scenes in the trailer where he jumps through glass. <laughs> it doesn't look that good. It's like, how many I times do you need to jump through glass? Yeah, I feel like a big part of the trailers is always like girl gets off a motorcycle and like unzips her shirt a little bit and he smiles. <laughs> like this is Die Hard now, <laughs> old pervert. <laughs> And jumping through glass. Yeah. Luckily, Bruce Willis isn't too much of an old pervert and looper. At least, no, he, I don't think he was at all, if I can recall. But the thing with Looper is, I don't know, I walked out of this movie and I was so pumped and excited. I feel like a little kid just like running off the walls. Like, this is what action, this is what action movies should be like. They should be like this. This should be like the minimum for like how good like an action movie should be. I, I don't know. That makes it seem pretty bad. <laughs> Not the minimum. <laughs> the minimum. <laughs> it's just uh, that. Yeah, uh, I misspoke. Maybe, th- this is at least what all action movies should try to be, aspire to be. Uh, I love the slow burn of everything. This isn't like a really fast action movie. It's very well paced. That's a big thing. I feel like some of the best action movies are slower. You know, it's not about hella quick cuts and, like, fights. 
even though I feel like there may have been a scene like that in here somewhere when Bruce Willis is like killing a million guys. There's some shit going down pretty fast. For the most part, it's about the slow burn and the buildup to everything. And I even started started talking about the sci-fi stuff, which is a bit of a mess as most time travel is, but it's a pretty creative concept. And I love the little bits of, uh, I don't think I could spoil anything by saying that they put like psychic powers in this movie, which I thought was really interesting how that played into it. And, and it leads to some really beautiful sequences. Like when the guy is in the living room and he just, they, his body starts levitating and well, you know what happens next. Yeah, like that cowboy was amazing. guy. And then the, the kid, the scary kid. It's Very weird rude. when I was with that scary kid and then like all the psychic powers, I was like, this is like what an anime would be like. It was live action or something. Dude, it, it, I was going to say that. <laughs> one of two movies I saw last year that totally made me feel like I was watching live action Western anime movies. So it was like Dragon Ball Evolution? No. The other one uh, that I really liked sure? was Dread. Uh, go see Dread, you guys. It is fucking sweet. <laughs> I want it. <clears throat> There's just something of the spectacle of this movie that that mm. reminds me of something. I mean, sort of like Akira, but just like anime in general. I can't quite Ghost put my shell. finger on it. Ghost in the Shell, yeah, I can see that. Just for being a, like such an inventive uh, sci-fi you know, concept and how it blends that with the action. And there's so many memorable sequences in my mind. There's so many scenes that I just kept thinking about afterwards. The one that shows Joseph Gordon-Levitt's progression through, like, through the years, like how his life turns out. And, uh, oh, God, that guy whose body parts start disappearing. Yeah. That was one of those disturbing things I've, I've seen all year in a movie. I was so afraid after that. Like, I felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen to you? I don't know. It just—I <laughs> was so disturbed by what I just saw. Like that was scarier than anything I saw in any horror movies this year. That was the most terrifying. Just because you get your head and you start thinking about that, like, what if that did happen to me? Even though it, it involves time travel, man, it doesn't make any sense at all. I like that at least this movie with their time travel. They were like explicitly, like, yes, this like. It doesn't make sense on the surface, and we could talk about this for a really long time and try to explain it all, but just go with it, man. <laughs> like, Bruce was basically like, yeah, yeah, just go with it. And I'm like, okay. I think, You're all right, Ryan Johnson. I think Ryan Johnson even said no time travel in any movie ever makes sense. It's just a matter of tricking an audience into believing it makes sense, <laughs> which I That's think true. is – I love that honesty. He's not saying, no, this makes sense. No, this is perfect. Said he seems like a pretty like weasley looking guy. He probably probably wouldn't talk that tough. Yeah. Nancy, did you see Looper? I did not. I feel like you dig Looper. It's pretty cool. That's what everyone tells me. Oh yeah, a lot of people bugging you about this. No, just you. Okay, <laughs> dude, you should also go see Dread. Um, I'm thinking up. about renting uh, Dragon Ball Evolution from Redbox. Instead. Why do you keep bringing up Dragon Ball Evolution? We're supposed <laughs> to never talk about it ever. <laughs> I just heard it was pretty good huh? well if you wanted to see Goku go to high school then it's the best movie you've ever seen <laughs> or you ever will see but uh, I'm not in the Goku going to high school camp because Goku's an idiot it's part of his charm 
The Master is also a, a charming character, if you assume that's referring to Philip Seymour Hoffman, the co-star of the film. Uh, out there with Joaquin Phoenix. Who is the star? Whose character name I cannot remember. Freddy? Freddy... Quell. St- yeah, Quell, that's it. This is the movie I most wanted to see again because it's so enigmatic. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying to see it again. I had, I guess, the kind of experience that John had with Looper where I just, like, kept thinking about this movie a lot after I saw it. I mean, there's just so many just bizarre, memorable scenes in this movie. The biggest one, of course, being the processing scene that comes in the middle of the film, which I just think is, like, the most... Which which processing scene are you talking about? The first the one, one? one? In the, 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 the small dark room? Yeah, that's the, the one. Desk. Yeah. And that's... I was just floored by that that sequence just because, you know, coming into this movie, I, I basically sort of knew the, the plot would be that this Yaquid Phoenix character would come under the wing of this spiritual guru, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. But then you watch the first half hour of that movie and you see this guy's this drunken sexualized, violent, angry man. And you think, this guy? This guy's going to find some sort of spiritual awakening? And then P.T. Anderson just fucking does it in one scene, and it's just, man. And he does it so simply. It's just with, you know, the writing and these two actors just at the top of their game. And, I don't know, maybe some of the scenes in this movie are just a little too weird and don't completely work, but there are just so many so many interesting things going on in this movie thematically and and from a filmmaking standpoint, I think. That's why I want to see it again, because I feel like I wasn't conditioned properly the first time. You can't really walk in that movie and know what to expect. I think I was expecting There Will Be Blood too. The Search for Lincoln's Gold. I walked into this movie expecting to be challenged, so maybe I was in the right mindset. I felt a little too challenged, but I think I might, I'd like it more if I saw it again. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it is the, the pacing is kind of unusual. It's episodic. It, it, and sometimes it kind of took me out of the movie. But there's so much on screen that I just have so much admiration for. I mean, I don't understand it, but I think that's like what's so great about it is, is this, there's so many conversations you can have about this movie after you go see it. And the visuals are spectacular and the music's spectacular. And this is the only performance where I think, yeah, this is the a performance I like better than Daniel Day-Lewis's Lincoln for this year is Joaquin Phoenix. He is so weird in this movie, just the way he carries himself. And I, I think what gives him the edge for me over Daniel Day-Lewis is the fact that this is like a character that he created, but it's so memorable and scary and just, oh, man. It really blows my mind. He's amazing. It's too bad that he had to disappear for like a couple of years because he's so <laughs> talented. Everyone in this movie's talented. Every, there's so many great performances. But yeah, I think... It, it, I mean, this is just speaking from me seeing it once, that it, it is more challenging than it needed to be for my personal taste. <laughs> it could have been a little more broad, like there will be blood. But at the same time, I appreciate what he did. And I, t- I think it's going to be a movie people are going to be talking about for a long time. Yeah, I yet, don't think that, w- that wasn't enough to have an Best Picture nomination. 
They instead nope. of to just go with nine instead of taking taking advantage of the ten nominees. Well, they had to nominate Les Miserables. Yep. Which I am disliking the more I think about it. That 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 I don't know if that was the longest movie I saw this year, but it felt like the longest. <laughs> I can't believe they wrote their own song and put it in the movie. I don't even remember which one that is. There's like a hundred of them. There's so much singing. And if they're not doing a song, they're talk singing to each other. I can't believe what you are doing. This is not fair. <laughs> like, you can't just sing all your dialogue. That's what Tom Hooper wants. He's designing that movie to win awards. You can't complain about someone's acting if they're technically singing. <laughs> So you think that movie was just one big cop-out so people couldn't criticize him for it? I feel like just hearing that they wrote a song and put it in the movie, to me, that's like, oh, so that way they can get an original song nomination. (laughs) Oh, and then, like, they put Anne Hathaway in the trailers a bunch so, like, she can get a supporting actor nomination and Hugh Jackman can get a lead actor nomination and he'll get a best director and a best picture. It's, it's, It's just mathematical geniuses it's like they're planning a heist like oceans 11 type thing <laughs> it's a great oscar heist you know i mean i don't know how similar this was to the uh, the musical which you've seen right sean i have and, I saw it in england but anne hathaway is really good but I, her character wasn't in this movie as much as i as i thought she was is is it a smaller role in the movie it's or in the musical smart. too yeah i think uh, she comes back at the end as like a ghost or something they do yeah that. yeah they did but otherwise, I mean, she's really good. But wow, what, I can't believe like that's the that's the front runner for best supporting actress. It's so, she said such small short part. hair. Wait, for for lead act, supporting actress. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. Also, they always she take said, and she do. She said short hair for so long. That's yeah. what I don't get. Why does she have short hair for so long? If she's so barely in this movie. <laughs> that's not a complaint that I had. <laughs> Back to the master, though. I remember the last, the first time we ever talked about the master on the podcast, Sean. You're like, not about Scientology. <laughs> uh, it's pretty <laughs> like it was so clearly about Scientology, which <laughs> it didn't really end up reminding me of Scientology that much. Oh, I, I, I think it definitely did. I think it, it really delved well into the into cult nature. But I don't think Scientology is as cultish as people make it out to be. Uh. No more cultists than any other no, religion. I no, feel like no this comment. cult is way weirder. <laughs> no comment. That, that's um, a good route to take. Yeah, it avoids controversy. But the master, I think, will definitely have a, a spot on this list. So what about Moonrise Kingdom? Dude, what not about Moonrise Kingdom? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like uh, Wes Anderson's best movie since Royal Tenenbaums. Is that right? Does that sound right? Yeah, like, like, a right, like a right opinion. I'd agree with it, sure. I don't think many people are making the case for Darjeeling or Life Aquatic. Although a lot of people really responded to uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, yeah. Uh, but goddamn, I like me some Wes Anderson. I feel like I, I'm just, I feel like a, a sucker, basically, watching it. Like I'm just being manipulated. That's kind of how I feel all the time now, though. 
pretty paranoid. <laughs> when you like things, you're you're suspicious that you're just yeah. being manipulated. Well, besides besides the master, where like yeah, this is ostentatious and different because it's not trying to have you like it. Yeah. I don't know. I see no shame in a director manipulating. Isn't that what filmmaker is supposed to do? Unless it's mm-hmm. like a, a real thing. All films are created by a person to, to make someone feel a way. I would argue that that's part of their job, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's just as many people that hate Wes Anderson for <laughs> the Wes Anderson stuff. as Yeah. It's got to have all the sixties music. It's got to be old. Quite soft-spoken, all these colors. So here's the thing I was wondering but was way too lazy to ever actually look up. Are those, like, musical lessons that basically form the majority of the soundtrack of this movie real? Or did someone write those for this movie? Does anyone know? I think they are written for the movie. I'm not 100%. (laughs) I don't remember. Last time I even thought about this movie was right after I saw it right over the summer and talked about it on another podcast. So if you want to hear what I had to say about this movie months ago, look for whatever podcast that is. Something about our most things we like the middle of the year. Oh, yeah. yeah it took me a, a little bit to see this, uh, but I really enjoyed it when I did. Little, little kid love story that's somehow good. Yeah, great on ensemble cast. Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, Di- dialing it down a little bit. Way down. He put glasses on. <laughs> I think that he helped him dial he it down. He hasn't done that since Death Becomes Her. At least I don't. Not that I recall. He was very dialed down in that. No, no jumping. Th- no, he jumped through glass in that. <laughs> <laughs> He might have even jumped through glass in this. <laughs> Maybe that's something that we're the first people to discover, that if you watch a lot of Bruce Willis movies, he goes through glass a lot. It's like in his contract that he has to jump through glass at some point. There's broken glass in Unbreakable, despite the title. <laughs> Except that's not what I... Well, what he it didn't meant. break. <laughs> she of glass didn't jump through him. That would have been a real twist. Uh, I don't know. So I really like this, but do you guys not care? No, I liked it. Um, I don't know. I guess it's not really a film that sticks with you, but then when someone reminds you of it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, good times. (laughs) I guess just because Wes Anderson, his filmmaking is a bit, uh, I don't know what the the word is. It's a bit surface level. It's very... uh, constructed i don't i don't know it's not as rich as some of these other movies but he's so damn good at constructing these little universes and and doing all these little putting all these little details into his film that you know it's hard not to enjoy taking it all in i guess we'll just see where it ends up yeah i i I just keep it around for now all right um, so I put Queen of Versailles on here, because uh, I really like this movie, even though all our other documentary choices got cut off. Um, and it, it's not even 
I would say the best crafted documentary that came out uh, in this last year, uh, or the most interesting. But it's it's just one of those movies that I I can't believe it exists. I can't believe uh, that they were able to get the footage that they did. Uh, if, if you've never heard of the Queen of Versailles, uh, it, it's this documentary. I believe they were just following uh, this super rich couple as they were starting to build uh, like the biggest mansion in the world. They were like building basically their own version of of Versailles here in the United States, just to have everything they could ever want out of a house. Uh, but then 2008 happens and, and the whole economy crashes and uh, and for some reason they let the, the, the documentary crew stick around and we watch these rich uh, out of touch people kind of flounder and not know how to handle not being super rich anymore not having completely unlimited funds uh, I think the the scene that everyone remembers is you know we've got to scale back so we go to Walmart to do our Christmas shopping and then they just fill like three or four shopping carts I mean they buy so much shit that they have they like they can't even like fit it all in the car and then they get home and one of the things is a bike and they're like alright well let's put the bike away and they have this huge garage <laughs> Just full of bikes, and they just wheel it in there like, okay, here's another fucking bike. No one gives a shit. It's it's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, kind of, it kind I, of, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. I've been talking a lot about this. <laughs> I was just saying, it kind of makes you sick, but at the same time, I think they do, you do sympathize for these people a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> if you, I would say sympathize, but it's like that second half of the movie you definitely kind of see their their actual humanity shine through. Like you see that they're imperfect. Like I feel like at one point both the husband and wife say that, yeah, we probably shouldn't have gotten into this marriage. And that's <laughs> yeah, it's another point where it's kind of amazing that they were able to capture this kind of turmoil on film. And yeah, the fact that you kind of almost sort of sympathize with them is a pretty cool feat because in the first like 20 minutes, man, you got to hate these people just for how fucking rich they are and how excessive their lifestyle is. And then to top it all off, the guy, David Siegel, is like, yeah, well, I'm pretty much the reason George Bush II <laughs> got elected president. And it's like, God! <laughs> Just the most unlikable people. I hate the guy, definitely. He's despicable in every way. Well, in most ways. Definitely seems like a documentary for this age, like in that it kind of reminds me of a lot of reality TV shows, like those kind of families you see on like Wives of Orange County and stuff. <laughs> Except that it, it delves so much deeper into kind of the dark side of that lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, I wish I wish TV shows, those kind of TV shows, were like that. Like, why is Orange County was really like that? Yeah, this could... like, like watching it begin to fall apart when they have to lay off a bunch of their staff, and you see things like there's dog shit everywhere in the house, and <laughs> someone's that pet lizard is just straight yeah. up dead. Yeah. Why didn't anyone fear that? Because they have so many fucking animals. They just don't like everything's a mess, and and the the mom, you know, the the 
the Queen of Versailles is says like straight up <laughs> we would never have had these many kids if we ever thought we wouldn't have maids. You know, we're gonna have to start telling our kids you're gonna have to start applying yourself at school. You're gonna have to probably go to college and shit. Like it's a punishment. But but yeah, like like you guys are saying, I go into this. I went into this expecting you know this to be a pure shot in Freud, like ha ha ha. The rich people suffer too, and I didn't get that at all. Uh, you know, there's it's weird because they both are people who came from like borderline poverty, and and you know then then they then they got rich. Uh, it's so weird to think that they could just become completely out of touch with their own background yeah there's the one moment where where the woman she has to go rent a car for the first time and she's like oh it comes with a driver right and the guy like, at the desk the is like thing? uh no there's no driver i'm pretty sure there's oh god the christmas scene where they're opening gifts and the and the dad gives himself a bar of like hershey's chocolate and he, ta- he tells this story about, you know, when, when we came here, my parents were so poor. All they wanted was chocolate. We couldn't even afford that. So every year I get myself a bar of chocolate to remember those times my, and my family. And then the mom is like, I got myself caviar. What did this sound like? $2,000? <laughs> He's like, whoever bought this is getting fired. And I messed up. You know, they sued the makers of this film afterwards yeah and i hear they're also back working on the house again too things are working out for them what did they sue them for just make them look bad even though i don't they they just made them look how they look it didn't like take like a position it just showed the events as are i would i'd say it probably does take a bit of a maybe a little bit uh, especially with with uh, the man, like he clearly does not care about his family at all in this movie, at least. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, probably they, they, in, they interview his eldest son, who is like his second in command at his company, and he he says he's like I have no relationship with him like a family. It's more, I'm just a coworker. And that's sad. But fuck them, they're rich, right? <laughs> <laughs> and crazy ah like the seven psychopaths yeah the martin mcdonough follow-up tim bruges in that it's yeah. the second movie this is an interesting experience kind of like martin mcdonough's adaptation and where i i say i like the movie adaptation in that it's an exploration of his own writing process and the character is very the main character played by Colin Farrell is very much a reflection of him. His name is Marty and he's an Irish writer working on a screenplay. But all he has is a sweet title, Seven Psychopaths, and some characters, but he's not really sure how to c- connect all the stories. Which led to one of my favorite parts I think well my favorite part of the movie, but maybe the funniest scene I've seen in a movie all year was when uh, his friend Sam Rockwell, uh, you know, tries to pitch him a scene for the end of his movie with some of the characters that Colin Farrell has come up with. And he's like, oh, this is how you should end it. And it's the most, and you get to see it re- like enacted on screen. And it's the stupidest, like, action movie shootout scene with all the characters where they're just shooting guns at each other. And he's explaining it, and it's so dumb. You really that have is, to see it. That is my favorite scene of the entire year. I can't top it. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, like, there's this one. There's this one character that he's uh, created. Uh, Colin Farrell in one of his his stories. It's going to be one of the psychopaths in his story, which is like this Vietnamese guy who's who's getting revenge for you know stuff that happened in Vietnam. And but and Sam Rockwell includes him in this. Uh, his envisioning of the end of Colin Farrell's movie, and that guy's like, he gets killed. You even know what the hell his name is? Like, <laughs> this 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 story that Sam Rockwell's uh, telling has all the characters in it too. Like Christopher Walken and Colin Farrell are all written into Sam like the movie. Like it's kind of hard to explain. You should probably just watch the scene. It's good. Yeah, if you can find it. The only weird thing is, it took me so long to get in this movie. I don't think Martin McDonough's pacing is that good in some of his movies. Like he'll, he'll go off on a conversation for a long time and it'll kind of drag. And it wasn't until the midpoint where I really thought it started getting good. And then the last half was just really fun. And, and how they talk about like all the cliches of, you know, these kind of crime action movies. And then those cliches pretty much happen anyways. The movie does it. And I don't, I think I could spoil too much by saying that there is a bit of a shootout near the end. And there's female. They talk about how female characters in these kind of movies either get killed off really early or they don't like have much to say. And that's how it is in the actual movie. It's a guy movie, definitely. But I love Martin McDonough's characters. I love their conversations. It was. Uh, he's a really interesting filmmaker. He tackle he tackles some complex themes in some really great dark co- dark comedic ways. It's not as good as Imbruge, but if you like Imbruge, you'd probably like this too. I like Imbruge, and I like this too. <laughs> mm. It will be on my list, I bet. We should probably mention, because this is going to go out after our lists are posted, we're recording this before. Yeah. Let's take that. Be a big, big surprise. Uh, dramatic irony. And smoke it. Should we just jump ahead? Okay. Silver Lines Playbook. Golden Sean saw this on Thanksgiving. And it has been nominated for a lot of awards. Was it Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, because yeah, I was out of town when you guys saw it. And then you guys seemed to just be like, yeah, it's okay. You should maybe see it. And I was like, well, eh, sure. I'll go see it. I had a free night. So I went and saw it And I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, I guess I, I just kind of like oddball romantic comedies like this. Um, I don't know. David Russell's a guy I kind of like sometimes. This is this movie's sort of more in the vein of of flirting with disaster, I guess, where it's sort of a family comedy with some sort of dark stuff thrown in uh, worked for me. I am no David O. Russell expert, but I didn't really recognize it much as one of his works. I mean, compared to his past stuff, it, it seemed like it could have been anybody to me. I uh, liked I, it, it, but felt it felt very like familiar. Fighter. Especially at the end, you don't think it felt like the fighter with all the like, I guess, I guess it felt like the fighter. Or... I guess it did feel like the fighter. It's this year's the fighter. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess the family so, dysfunction is a theme that he explores yeah. Yeah. a lot. So that's that's something. Oh, yeah, the performances are great. That's that's the uh, that was my favorite part. I like Bradley Cooper. I know Sean, you don't really like Bradley Cooper that much. 
I don't but, dislike him. I think he's fine in this. Uh, I think he was just probably his his best performance, but I don't know that he has a lot to compete with this. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is the reason to see this still. Yeah, I think she's really good in it. I mean, I I was concerned that the fact that she's playing a a character that's obviously much older than she is might uh, might damper the film's romance a bit. But I don't know. She sold me like. I could believe with the kind of toughness and uh, I don't know, lived in nature of her performance. I could believe, I guess, in some weird way that that she could pull off this kind of character, even though she's obviously pretty young. But yeah, it's not even her age. I just don't think this movie, the way it begins, the way it goes for at least half of it. I don't think it makes sense for it to turn out to be a romantic movie. I feel like. If you're going to write a character whose main dysfunction is like she gets into relationships and he has sex way too easily, then like the big dramatic payoff can't be like, oh, yeah, these two are totally going to have sex now. <laughs> Perhaps. I don't know. I, I don't see this movie making the list, but uh, I liked it. Well, hey, how great is it to see Robert De Niro in this day and age in a movie you want to see, in, you know, in a really good part? I mean, no, I almost yeah, wish I he, he didn't really have good. enough screen time. I was like, because he's so good in this. It's so I was re- every time he like he'd show up. I'm like, yes, I can't wait for the mm-hmm. scene. I mean, it, 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 it's and I love the fact that he's such a diehard uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan. I remember the part when he's totally talking about how they're beating the Seahawks and how cool that was and everything. This movie took place in 2008. And I looked, and the Philadelphia Eagles did play us that year, and they, they beat us. Devastating. We sucked that year. But the Eagles suck now, so. I bet that Robert De Niro character went on to kill himself. <laughs> I believe it. And, I, and, and hey, Chris Tucker. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he was really good. I was like, why did he quit acting for so long? He's really funny in this. He's just Another character for that next rush hour. That's a great thing about this movie. I always looked forward to the next scene with, oh, that one character. I can't wait till that guy shows up again. I liked all the characters except, so much. Except for Officer Bob. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And the finale with the dancing, I thought it was a little, a little silly that it ends the dance competition. But at the same time, I enjoyed that so much. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, I, I liked... I like the way that they went at it, where it's like, we just have to get like a 5 out of 10 or something. <laughs> yeah. And just get blown out of the water. They don't care. And like everyone's, like when they get their score, all the other dancers are like, oh, I'm sorry. But they're just like cheering. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Hells yeah. You know, it was and really fun. Yeah, go what was really funny? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything. I was gonna say that Skyfall was for some reason. <laughs> Maybe I was gonna All make right. a really good joke on the spot, but you caught me off guard. We'll never know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a segue, but it is gone now. Yeah, Skyfall, I- Matt. What do you think about Skyfall? It's fucking awesome. Resident <laughs> Bond expert. I saw it twice. I didn't even do that. 
Well, I had to see it with my brother because he didn't see it in Canada. Uh, they don't have it in Canada. No. <laughs> Too violent. <laughs> they have Canadian James Bond. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Wayne Bond. He just solves his enemies' problems by just giving his enemies donuts. And everything works out. Apologizing. Sorry, sorry. Oh, Here's sorry. some donuts. I mean, I haven't seen all the Bonds, so I don't know, but I think it's still, or it is my favorite now. Yeah, it's it's definitely the best, and and old people will tell you that <laughs> it's not, and they yep, don't know yep. what they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, the other ones, the old ones have Sean Connery, and they have the retro charm, but this one was, the action was, the action's easily the best. But it also told a personal story. It's like it's so about Bond's experiences as an agent, and that no other movie has ever delved that deep into his psyche. That's just something we've never seen, and that was so much more interesting. This is like James Bond Begins. <laughs> like it really reminded me of those of the Batman movies, how dark yeah. it was. But and then it still had little nods to the to what people like about the old ones, exactly. Like, you know, music cues and his car and all that stuff. It's like a heartfelt tribute, but also this totally new thing. And then just visually, like how it looked was amazing. And it was easy to follow, which is always a big plus, because some Bonds are really uh, convoluted. I mean, I know this one is riddled with plot holes, like most big action movies are. But I had so much fun that it wasn't a problem for me. And probably my... The thing I liked about it, the I figured mo- Sean, you're going to call me out on the plot holes for some reason. Oh, there are plot holes. I feel like we Damn got into them before. I got them. Uh, I mean, there's the whole thing about how Silva's plot is to get captured and escape and do all this shit that just doesn't make any sense. It's don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, guys. Did you enjoy it? Then it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, my and and above everything else, I felt like the the theme that it it just captured what Bond is all about over fifty years. I mean, because in the end, when M dies, I was a little bit surprised, but then I actually really liked it because you know they brought in new Money Penny, they're bringing in new M, and that's what happens in bond i mean when you have a franchise that works for so long people die in real life and so you have to move on and and act, it just it so perfectly hit on that no one's irreplaceable in this franchise and it's more about the uh you know the name bond than it is about any in, you know particular actor or you know so that's just that's what i really liked about it so i was kind of about like you just giving him a gun yeah, and being pretty... like, this is the age we're living in now. You just need a straight up gun. Uh, that's, that's interesting to me. Cause I feel like your, your big quibble with the first two Daniel Craig movies was like, how come there are no gadgets? That's like the best part yeah, of Jay's it, bond. It was, but having Q come on and be like, what are you kidding me? <laughs> that's all you need. Like I was all right. I was like, okay, so this is the, like, this is what it's like now. Do you think Never every has- do you think every movie he's just gonna be like, here's a gun, what are you kidding me? <laughs> it was got iPhones now, you don't need this shit. Wait, you, you think he gives him the app that like shoots the <laughs> <laughs> Like as to fake people out that they think he's firing a gun? Yeah, or just to like you know, have fun with. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. James Bond gets bored. Can't be having sex or drinking all the time. I mean, he can't be shooting guns all the time. Sometimes he's got to simulate it. Uh, but I, since I guess I am in the detractor position for some reason, uh, I will say I did not like the Skyfall part of this movie. I'm sorry. Really? Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part. Yeah, I really. It was the most it. like. It was like James Bond meets Straw Dogs or something like that meets movie. Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it quite reached What's, that level. Home Alone? That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, those guys would be dead in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what's wrong with it being like Home Alone. Uh, just, I don't know. I was having such a good time watching him like go all over the globe and killing people in all these cool locations, and then. It's like I'm gonna trap a bunch of people in my house. <laughs> I know. I thought that was my favorite part of the whole movie. Was that 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 area was just so atmospheric, and the way it looked, it was just exciting. I loved it. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, for any action movie, you expect it to go with the huge, giant, spectacular sequence at the end. But I feel like. It was cool that they, they pared it down and... Only blew up a house with a helicopter. They only blew up a house, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's a pretty big house. They yeah. had to pretty get creative. Yeah, yeah I, I liked it. And, 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 oh, it killed me when, when he's, you know... What, what, he, what, did, what was the last pun, like, when M was like, you know, like, where were you or something? And he's like, oh, it was just... Uh, in, on thin ice or what did he say? It's something like that. I was in like deep water or something. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was so about it. All about the puns. It is all about the puns. Like, but you could like totally tell that they were doing it. Like, like this pun is really bad, but you know it's <laughs> Bond, so it's cute and we like it. You know, like you, you can almost tell that J- James Bond is like half embarrassed about it like he's just like <laughs> saying it just you know he's contractually obligated <laughs> yeah <laughs> like as with the as a British yeah so let me just say one more thing I didn't like uh, was when the girl gets shot and he's like it's a waste of good scotch <laughs> which, you which like girl? that line I was like I'll admit it's pretty dark. <laughs> he, was, he was like crying all the time in the other movies, and now what's what's the deal with this girl? He can just she was just some out. whore. Oh yeah, yeah. I was God, the thing that the thing that totally threw me off about that was like I had forgotten at that point that they had had sex already. So I was like, when are they gonna have sex? And then <laughs> and then he shoots her, and I was like, what the fuck? They didn't have sex. <laughs> And then I remember they did, and so I was like, "Oh, no, never mind. It's okay." No, they, had shower, they had shower sex. Yeah, was, I don't think that's a bond wet. convention that needed to return. What? Like treating women so badly? <laughs> uh, just fuck her and kill her. Whatever. Well, it's but, not that. Like, yeah, but I don't know. I'm not that I'm going to defend like killing women, but <laughs> I'm just oh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean it's just like it's not like she was that you know integral 
like a part of the movie and and yeah it was but you know he's he's battling this dude he's freaking crazy you know he's got a he can't be like oh my god you killed her you know he's bond man he's it's part of the gig i feel like it was the first bond to have strong female characters in that m had such a, a big role and money penny was like a sidekick money penny sucked all she did was shoot james bond Compared to other money pennies. <laughs> well, she had one slip up, but for the most part, she was helpful. <laughs> then she got grounded. Yeah, but she helped Bond like reexamine his life. Yeah. Later yes. on, it took it took a while. You haven't seen all the other money pennies, Sean. There's some bad money pennies. Uh, I don't doubt that. Well, it's all about the the original money penny that grew old with Roger Moore. Like, <laughs> like I felt like in the beginning. Like, she was always, like, an older woman, so you could kind of see that, oh, well, you know, she's not, she's not a, she's not really, she could never get with James Bond, because, you know, he's young and cool, and, and she's not, but, uh, but as Roger Moore got, you know, up there in age, you could totally tell that, you know, oh, th- this could work now, this is, this is feasible. <laughs> We're both old and alone. Yeah. Old people humping, it'd be like Hope Springs. <laughs> but no, he had to go for someone 40 years younger than him. Roger Moore. But yeah, Skyfall. I fell for Skyfall. In a good way. <laughs> Not like it tricked me. So, Colin, no, this is 40 on the list? You know... I, uh, it actually probably will make my top ten, but I feel like no one else liked it that much. <laughs> so it'd just be a waste of time. All right. Fair enough. I liked it. It was funny. Not top ten funny, though. Uh, so then we do just have one left on the list, and that's Zero Dark Thirty. For now. Unless we have a secret entry after after this uh but zero dark 30 don't don't spell a surprise come on uh, i'm not zero dark 30 was uh a movie that i wasn't sure should be made pretty much until i saw it um but i ended up being really really impressed uh with how well Catherine Bigelow and, and, and screenwriter Mark Bull took a story that I have no idea how much of it is true at all. I mean, the CIA says not much. But then again, their main sources were people in the CIA. So who knows? It, it, it seems like the most things that the CIA was saying were, weren't true were the torture stuff, which is the stuff that seems like it was probably the most true. <laughs> So I'm going to say that it's more accurate than those some of these government guys are saying it is. But still, I mean, we'll never really know. Probably not. Oh, wow. <laughs> what um, a hell of a film. Seriously. Uh, it's, it's the way that it can present material and not necessarily moralize it, not not lecture us on, on what's happening. Uh, there's absolutely no way 
that I think you could see this movie and think it's pro-torture. I hate how people keep saying that. Like, have you seen this movie? It's pretty disgusting. The torture is disgusting, and then, like, they don't even get valuable information out of it. The, the way they get valuable information out of the guy they torture is by being nice to him. Uh, and similarly, I think just the whole idea of this manhunt for Bin Laden is, uh, by the end, you're like, God, what the hell? Is this worth it at all? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the scenes where they're, they're in the compound looking for him. The Americans are practically like monsters out of a horror movie. They're like creeping around the halls going like, Osama, Osama. It's like super creepy. And then he's just like an old man with his family. And it's they're just killing parents in front of their kids. You can't feel good about it. And it doesn't even feel heroic, even though, uh, you know, the SEAL Team 6, you know, everyone was like, these guys are the greatest heroes in the world now because of this and in the movie they're just like a bunch of bros doing a job it, it doesn't condemn them but it doesn't really endorse them either and that's what i really respect because i remember hearing i mean i remember may day 2001 and hearing about bin Laden being killed and i told one of my roommates and he was like yelling and shit and like calling people and he was super pumped about it i just felt really weird and this <coughs> yeah me too I kind of yeah. felt the same way when they executed Saddam. It's like, wow, we're, I mean, you know, it's bad, but we're celebrating like the execution of a human being. And I like how they kind of delved into that uh, with how Jessica Chastain, the star, reacted to this whole experience. Gives you a lot to think about. Yeah. And that, God, that raid sequence was amazing. And I, I, I think it's really cool to take note that it, it was, it's actually only a few minutes shorter than the actual raid. So. Maybe it's exactly like I don't know. But. <laughs> Maybe it's like real footage. Yeah, Chris Pratt was actually <laughs> there. Chris Pratt and Joel Edgerton. I buy it. A lot of uh, a lot of actors in here I like, in varying parts. James Gandolfini, Mark Duplass. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and of course, Mark Strong, who I didn't recognize because. He has a hairpiece, and he's playing an American. I was like, who's angry Steve Carell? <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize until recently how much he looks like Steve Carell. But he's really good in, uh, in this as well. Everyone was really good. My, my only complaint, which is pretty small, is that this movie's really long. Uh, I, I, maybe it's just because I had a long day that day, so I had to sit through this, 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 uh, this long movie. And I enjoyed a lot of it. I just remember there's one part where I got really tired. And then well, there's always like every once in a while there's a huge explosion that comes out of nowhere. And that one where they're eating at the Marriott, that scared the hell out of me. That was like one of the scariest things. That's like the most I jumped. Like, yeah. Out of movie this year. I definitely jumped at that one. The attacks because you're like in this restaurant that you feel like well they're safe now okay it's a safe this is, zone this is safe for Americans but no dangerous shit troubled times yep <laughs> it's it's yeah it's a hell of an experience 
Yeah, I mean, it was long, but I I never felt bored by it. I thought it was. It probably should because it had to cover to, so much and so. To years. use your phrase, very well paced. Uh, yeah, just a airtight thriller for most of it, and then got that tense sequence at the compound, and just with a pitch perfect tone, I think, for conveying what a what a strange thing it is going on this billion-dollar manhunt that's really just kind of an act of revenge. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but it's still, they show, like, these acts of terror. These are not, for. I mean, people take the stance that he's the worst guy on the planet, and it's easy to believe that when you watch a bus get blown up or a restaurant get blown up or, you know, the the really likable lady from Contagion getting blown up. (laughs) Yeah, sure, yeah. I do worry a bit about Kyle Chandler just becoming a suit in movies. <laughs> he played the exact same character in Argo. <laughs> Basically, man. Which is sort of a similar movie, except Zero Dark Thirty is like the total non-Hollywood way of doing something, which yeah. is probably the better way. It's like the real way how stuff probably plays out. <laughs> but yeah, I'm worried about Kyle Chandler, too. Is he just going to be playing government guys now? We'll see. He's in that uh, Mark Wahlberg Russell Crowe movie that came out of nowhere, but it's like coming out real soon. Oh, it looks so bad. Ernest doesn't look bad. Just like, who gives a shit? Why did I want to see this? I guess because of the stars. Directed by the Hughes brothers. Oh, really? The Hughes? No, Hughes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What are they famous for? Menace to Society? <laughs> Yeah. Realize what I know him for, and from hell, which is bad. Oh. <laughs> uh, Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, but yeah, I just like to see Kyle Chandler in a movie where he doesn't wear a suit. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So I can't call it. Uh, look at that. We do have a surprise last-minute entry in our best movie of the year contest. And it's Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Fire Pain movie. Who put this on here? Uh, <laughs> I didn't put it on. I, I haven't even seen the first one. I think it was Colin. <laughs> well, I did watch part of it at Sean's house. <laughs> See? You're an expert. <laughs> This movie is fucking weird. Like, okay, first of all, Ghost Rider apparently has limitless power. I don't know how anything could oppose him because we watched him level a, like, construction site full of heavily armed dudes. Like, it's shot with a rocket launcher. Ain't no thing. Not for Ain't Ghost. no thing. Ghost Rider, he wasn't even, like, riding a motorcycle. Either. He's just whipping, whipping fools. Whipping it out. Yeah. Does he like eat bullets that are shot at him and then like spit them all out at once at someone? Just like uh, blow them away? I feel like well, something that, like that happened. Then the first movie, they might have done that. Did they? This too. <laughs> we didn't watch it for that long. It was, no. It was fucking weird though. Sounds Did awesome. Say, is it the worst movie you saw this year? No. I get. I, you can't even really call what we did seeing it. <laughs> we watched one scene. Was it the worst scene, though? 
Probably not. It's, come on, Amazing Spider-Man. That was really the worst movie. I guess probably didn't see that many bad movies. Amazing Spider-Man was not the worst movie I saw this year. Yeah, it was for me. I think. Yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, I mean, unless like the Dictator was dis- disappointing. Dictator, I feel it. like is. I definitely enjoyed less. <laughs> but I saw some bad movies, and you know. That I prefer not to talk about. And real talk, Prometheus, the more I think about it, the less I like it. Yeah, but it's not the worst movie of the year. No. You're just... Yeah. You just don't like it. Um, so I'm going to give Ghost Rider the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Colin's pretty disappointed. So I, I believe he's sobbing. Fighting back the tears right now. <laughs> Real men cry too, Sean. Don't. Don't Lebowski me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So what's, uh, what are we going to get rid of for list making time? Well, given the fact that we have 15 movies, I'm going to say a lot. Yeah. Uh, Let's just go right back to the top. And then skip down a few. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are all movies you like. Okay, well, okay, what about Argo? It's not on my list. Probably won't be on my list. It's just one of those movies that, like, I don't know. I felt like this was a pretty good year for movies. There were quite a few that I liked quite a bit. They just didn't, just didn't quite have enough to make it onto my personal list. Argo is one of those. No! <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, well, okay. Hold on. If John's that passionate, there's got to be some easy ones. The Queen of well, Versailles. You could probably take that off. Yeah, that's what I figured. Because that might be on my personal list, but it's probably like number 10. Uh, You guys can get rid of Silver Lang's playbook. Okay. Uh... I could do without Django, obviously. Uh, I don't know if you guys are that passionate about it. If you are, that's fine. Uh, I think, Sean, you're pretty passionate. I I respect it so so, much. I kind of wish I I do have a list, but uh, since I don't, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess it's going to be fairly high on mine. Because I do, I think... It handles the issue of slavery in a way that hasn't been done by a movie in a long time, or maybe ever. Uh, Presented so brutally, uh, it's it's not. I, at least I haven't seen anything like that, and uh, I really, I think it's really interesting. Um, I could do without Seven Psychopaths. It's uh, it was fun while it lasted, but I, the movie I did not think about much after I saw it, and I don't know the whole meta aspect of that movie didn't really impress me that much. Just because adaptation already exists. Basically, I don't know. Maybe I feel like there are too many meta things coming out now, and this movie didn't really have that unique of a twist on it for me. 
All right, I, I guess I could live without it. You saying something, John? Yeah, I basically is going to say the exact same thing you said. Hooray! <laughs> so you got to take off one more, or is it two more? Two more. God, you guys are not going to like the two I was going to take off. You know, I think I might agree with you on your two. Hit me with them. You probably wouldn't. I wouldn't? I don't think so. Okay, what are they? The two I would... Suspense is killing me. (laughs) God, you guys are going to hate this. I would cut Dark Knight Rises and Skyfall. Boo. No, those are probably the ones I would I would cut. <sighs> those are the only two I like. See, I knew it. Well, this is kind uh, of kingdom, right? You guys don't care. If you want to, I liked it. Um, My sound cut out. I never heard what Sean said. <laughs> he, he just suggested cutting uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom and what? No, that's not what he... John's talking about what he said. The oh, my, The two that I would have cut would have been. Oh God, I'm so embarrassed. Skyfall. <laughs> should be ashamed of yourself. Rises. Dark Knight Rises in what? Skyfall. <laughs> I'd rather keep Skyfall than Dark Knight Rises. I think I, I will. I will say that. <sighs> I'm, okay, Moonrise Kingdom, I'll take off. Because it didn't sound like anyone was too excited about it but me. Uh, yeah. 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 I moved Ghost Rider like way more down on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just off of it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're hurting my heart, Sean. It's, it's, well, it's one of those two. Since I took yeah, Moonrise Kingdom off. Well, uh, what would you prefer, Nancy? Because you've got the choice now of, of Dark Knight Rises or Skyfall. I'd rather get rid of Avengers. Okay, well, okay, my third choice to lose on this would probably be... Looper. I've been missing huge chunks of the conversation, so I don't really know where we are. But do what you got to do. It's too bad, Um, (laughs) John. You're kind of important to this. Maybe we could, maybe we cut for a second and see if we could help John out. Can you hear us now, John? Should we should we restart it? Let's try that. So, yeah, out of. So for me, it's Dark Knight Rises, Skyfall, Looper are the most cuttable ones right now. I mean, if you had to make me pick between those three, I'd probably cut Dark Knight Rises. Not just for the reason that I like the other two a little better, but I know Nancy's Dark Knight Rises fan. I liked it more than the Avengers, but, uh, you know, whatever. Would I you could... cut the Avengers if... You pick anything? 
I mean, probably, but I understand that pretty much America loved it. <laughs> and I'm very much in a minority of people who's like, it is okay. I'd, so, I'd, I'd uh, say compare... As a movie, I, it's like not even on the same planet as Dark Knight Rises. Like, see, to, I'm sick of that me. bullshit. Just no, but it's like, dark no, it's not. It's that's not epic. why, though. What? Just because it takes itself so seriously, it's so much better film. I just liked it way more. That's all I'm saying. I okay. Well, okay. I'm not like again. I'm not. I'm not saying because it's so serious or so. Da, da, da. I, well, that's the kind of. Thing. I don't know. That's just what comes to mind when people say that type of thing, like, as a film. Well, I mean, that's one thing I like, but I just like the characters in general more than the Avengers. If yeah. you, but I don't if know. You it just, that, it just, I know most people really like the Avengers. I like the characters in the Avengers way more. I mean, Bane's like the not a very interesting villain to me. That's why The Dark Knight is such a good movie, because of the Joker. Bane is just kind of like a way more mysterious and therefore uncompelling version I mean, of the Joker. I'm talking about the relationship between like Alfred and Yeah, Bruce. that's that's the thing that that's that just seems good, way yeah. more dramatic than anything. Yeah. I mean the that is a lighter relationship, movie. That relationship's written out of the movie for most of the movie though. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. still it's still I don't know, I feel like it's still such a big part of it in the background in your head the whole time cuz like I I don't know, I would, that is what affected me the most about that movie is how like absolutely crushed Alfred is like the whole time and yeah he's not in it very much but like that last scene where he's burying Bruce is like it killed me and like I guess and I I I can't tell if I'm just talking out of my ass from being like a, a fan of the trilogy so much but I don't know I really 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 like that movie I I agree with you but I, I see that I see both sides where both yeah. people you know are where both sides are coming from how about we just take out Django? No. I, mean, I could take out glorious bastard. <laughs> uh, you really know, if if we have to take out Avengers, I'm okay with it. It's it's not gonna kill me. If you guys really want to take out Argo, I could live with that. No, because I I get the sense it's gonna be pretty high on your list. And the Avengers will be on my list, but I don't think it's going to be super high up there. Yeah, me, me too. It'll be in the bottom five. And I guess Skyfall and Dark Knight Rises, those are like Nancy's one and two. That's my that's my list right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more from a just like it's almost as much as those were so anticipated for me. You know what I mean? And they fulfilled yeah, I, the anticipation. Oh yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those movies definitely work in in pandering to the fans of those films and, and providing, you know, things that fans are coming out to those movies to see. Okay. Sure's long, though. <laughs> like every single movie on this list. It's like all movies this year that were worthwhile were super long. Just happened for some reason. What's the longest on this list? Probably, well, if Dark Knight's on this list, that might be it. Maybe Django's pretty long. Oh, yeah. It's got to be Django, right? I'm going to get this shit solved. It's, it's Dark Knight <laughs> Rises is 165 minutes. 
180 I think that's, minutes. I think that's... How long is Dark Knight Rises? Oh, no, they're the same length. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, 165, I think that's how long Django is. Lincoln's pretty long, too. People are just all about getting their money's worth. Yeah. It's all about dollars per minute. Yeah, well, Lincoln's just long because it's old people talking and taking a long time. <laughs> <laughs> to get to the point. Yeah, Lincoln, so he's more worried about, you know, telling jokes and stuff. Uh, he's got to tell his jokes first. All right, so guys, make the case for Dark Knight Rises and Skyfall not being 9 and 10. I don't care. You do your worst. They're on the list. I'm happy. I feel I'm not the gonna, same way. Yeah, I'm not going to fight anymore. Go nuts. Uh, which would you prefer? I would say Skyfall I liked more. Me too. Mm, me too. I don't know. Well, it's hard when you've seen one three times and one once, but sure. I'm going to put DKR at 10 and uh, Skyfall at 9. And, um, yeah, Luke Jang- uh, But Django's so Django. Uh, but then, like I was saying, Looper would be my next. With Django at eight, I would put Looper at seven. Or Argo. I'd put Argo yeah. over Looper. And that Looper seven, Argo six. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I feel about equally about them. Great. So down to the top five, and uh, much as I respect Beast of the Southern Wild, I'm not sure how much higher it can go. Yeah, it, it's kind of a flawed film, but the things that work about it are just kind of amazing that they actually work. I actually like it more than Lincoln, but that's just me. I'm just some guy. <laughs> I actually might like Beast of the Southern Wild more than Lincoln, too. I think at this point it is higher on my personal list. Uh, yeah, I can mm. put it above Lincoln. You, you guys want to put Lincoln at five? Well, honestly, I would put Life of Pi <laughs> a lower because it's not even going to make my list. I have absolutely no good reason for it. It just doesn't quite have room on my list. I think it's a really good movie. Not so. even about pastries. John, that's not how you spell pie. Like, <laughs> yeah, but what if someone just told you and you'd never heard of it? I saw the loaf of pie. He's like, like he's he, his whole life revolves around pie. Tell me more. It sounds more like about it's the life of a pie, like it's a DreamWorks movie. Yeah. Or a life. Seth Rogen plays a pie. <laughs> Eat me. <laughs> Like those Slim Jim commercials. <laughs> yeah. Alas, in another lifetime, it'll be a pot pie, of course. I don't know. What do you guys think? How how high should life of pie be? Ha. 
I guess I could put it at five. I mean, I like it better than Lincoln, but I'm just saying, I'm just like, <laughs> Uh, that's my new argument it's a bad argument because you're basically saying well my opinion is basically irrelevant because I'm just some guy <laughs> the people can relate to some guy yeah it's true but no we have to act like we're important and we know things but just being some guy doesn't cut it well I'm not just some guy but ah, whatever whatever man Link is going to win all the Academy Awards anyway Will it? Well. Very well could. <laughs> Hasn't been winning that many awards lately, but it did get a lot of Oscar nominations, so. I feel like it's either that or Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, yeah. Maybe Lincoln will pull a color purple. Not no, it'll, and... it'll, it'll, win, it'll win Best Actor, probably. Joaquin Phoenix is nominated, though, right? He is, yeah. but he says that the Academy is like a joke and he hates them, so <laughs> they, probably, awesome. they probably don't like that. But he was so good that they nominated him anyways. So, uh, oh, yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's what you hear. You hear that the, uh, the whole process is just a bunch of, like, pandering and throwing parties where everyone gets iPads. Well, I just think it's fucked up how, like, even for your movie to be nominated, you, you like, your studio has to submit all these forms and shit. Like, it's, they should just pick the movies that are the best. There's all these, like, regulations and rules. Yeah, they should do it like we do. <laughs> this is how they should... Uh, <laughs> this is the award that counts. Okay, everybody, it's the end of the night. Now we all gotta, like, agree on some movies that which one's the best. They do a noise meter. Like applause meter. <laughs> George Clooney leading the charge. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, if I, you want to put Lincoln at five, I'm okay with that. I want to put it at five. All right. So and then what about four? Are you looking for Life of Pi here? I am. Just feels a little strange to have a piece of this other wild so high. I don't know why. I guess because it has such a scrappy, low budget feel to it compared to everything else on this list. Like everything else on here was made for about fifty million more dollars than <laughs> piece of the Southern Wild. Yeah, but it's good. Can... You don't need money to make a good film. You're making an interesting case, but what I'd really like to hear is just some guy. Like, what would they think about this? Not enough breasts. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably about right. Then I don't know. Uh, <sighs> I guess b- between these two water disaster movies, <laughs> uh, I had more fun with Beasts of the Southern Wild. In that it was an experience to me, and that that adds to adds to my liking the movie. I guess I think it's a good movie, but I've never heard someone describe *Beast of the Southern Wild* as fun. No, the, the <laughs> movie's kind of dark. It's not. It's not that the movie's fun, although I think the beginning of it is very fun. But it's more that like I got to go to a film festival and 
walk around Seattle a bunch because we took the bus. I also saw it at a film festival, but a way lamer one, the Ellensburg <laughs> Film Festival. It's packed house though. That's mm-hmm. sounds cool. It was. It was very cool. I mean, I like Life of Pi. I think it's more entertaining, but I think Beasts of Southern Wild is the more important film. I think it says a lot more. I mean, they both have a lot to say. Or maybe it doesn't say a lot more. It just found such an unexpected way to say it, and it came out of nowhere. And charmed the shit out of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Your shit has been charmed. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to put Live Pipe 4 and Breasts of the Southern Wild. So uh, my own personal list, as you could probably predict, number two is The Master, number one is Zero Dark Thirty. How would you guys feel about this list ending up? Pretty good. I think you are correct. Okay. I think maybe history will say The Master is the superior film eventually. Maybe, but at this point in time, Zero Dark Thirty just hits so close to the bone. I don't know. And that's, just, that's just just feels bones. right. It's like yeah. the funny bone, man. <laughs> yeah, it smarts if you hit it. People don't want really to say that. That smarts. All right, so that's that's the top ten list. Our, Our uh, most important one, according to you. Yeah, totally. Like I said, if this is the Academy Awards, people would be very excited. Uh, instead, I'll just read the list. Our top 10 movies of 2012. Uh, our last little conversation about 2012. On to the future from here. Uh, number 10, The Dark Knight Rises. Number 9, Skyfall 007. Or maybe it's 007 Skyfall. Uh, number 8, Django Unchained. Number 7, Looper. Number 6, Argo Fuck Yourself. Number five, Lincoln. Number four, Life of Pi. Number three, The Beasts of the Southern Wild and Their Many Breasts. Number two, The Master. And number one, Zero Dark Thirty. Which I figured out watching that movie that that refers to the time the operation happened. 30 minutes past midnight. Uh, That was a huge uh, revelation for me. Revelization? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did a like double revelation slash revelation. It was, I mean, it was it's what it sounds like, like it was for you. If they ever make a new Matrix, that's what they could call it. Matrix <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> ah. I'm a lonely man. Um, <laughs> you can go look at the video game list I wrote at mildlyplease.com as well as our... Uh, Individual movie top ten lists. Uh, and also, I guess, maybe someday Matt will do his James Bond thing that he hinted at once. Um, there's also the iTunes you, you can subscribe to and review and just look at. You know, they, There's that new version of iTunes that's out now. Maybe it's different. And... Um, I guess just keep listening is, is what I'm really trying to say. Although I was also trying to say realization a little bit ago. <laughs> I couldn't say that. 
Uh, so I should probably just stop talking and uh, tell you guys I'll see you next week. Thank you.